Mr. Secretary, thank you so much for coming to North Dakota. We appreciate it. For the people that aren't able to be here today, uh, what are you going to be sharing with them in your speech? So it's a lot of fun to be here with some great Americans working hard to produce American energy in North Dakota. I want to talk about my time as Secretary of State and how the work that was done here in North Dakota and in the patch all across America delivered really good outcomes for the United States, how energy matters to people all across the world and where America can deliver its energy to our friends and allies across the world. America is safer and more secure. We're certainly more prosperous. And American energy exports matter. They matter not only to the lives of us here at home, but to the fact that fewer of our young men and women may have to go fight some difficult place someday to make sure that we have the energy we need. It is so important to America's national security that we get it right here at home. And I want to talk about the great things North Dakota has done to contribute to getting it so right. How do you see the Bakken fitting into the big picture, especially knowing that President Biden did the executive order to basically kill the Keystone XL pipeline. We've got the situation with Colonial now. Like, how important is the Bakken to us being a net exporter with energy? Well, goodness, we can. The, the math is pretty plain. The Bakken matters a heck of a lot to America's capacity to deliver not only around the world, but for affordable energy here at home, too. It's uh, regrettable that the administration has taken a, a position with respect to a pipeline in the United States where we destroyed tens of thousands of jobs for sure, but all of the good that would have benefited America when that product began to flow as well. It's, it's almost unexplainable. At the same time, they're supporting a pipeline that the Russians are building up in the north of Europe. It, it's a real head scratcher. I hope that uh, somehow this will be brought back. It's really important for American national security as well for our prosperity. The issues with the Colonial Pipeline are complicated. Uh, they show a couple things. One, it's uh, in spite of all the money that's been invested by Colonial and others to protect their systems, uh, offense is pretty easy to play in the cyber world. And so we need to make sure that we have redundancy, reliable systems that we can make sure and have multiple ways where we can transport this energy around America so that we don't have the gas lines that we all remember from uh, the 1970s. Uh, it, it highlights, too, the nature of the importance of pipelines in moving this product around to the United, within the United States, to our East Coast, as well as getting it to our ports so we can export it. We have to get this right. I know this industry well. This industry can do so in a way that is safe and environmentally friendly and will deliver these products in a way that make each and every one of us proud. You look at uh, inflation, the situation at the border, the latest jobs report. We're not even four months into this administration, Mr. Secretary. Uh, what do you see over the next 44 months? You know, it's been a tough hundred days for Americans. Uh, you just see the lumber prices and uh, inflation hitting now at food costs for Americans who can least afford it. Uh, proposals to spend trillions and trillions more dollars for things that Americans will ultimately not truly need. And then overseas, we now see a war taking place in the Middle East. Uh, we saw what happened with the pipeline here in North Dakota. These are all things that would not have happened in the Trump administration. It would have been very different. Our adversaries sense weakness and markets sense that they're going to spend so much money that inflation will be upon us. Uh, I regret this. This isn't in the best interest of America. I hope that come November of 2022, there's a group of folks elected who are prepared to push back against these things. So there's a big conversation right now about where did the uh, COVID-19 virus come from? Was it from a lab? Was it from nature? You suggested in a radio interview earlier today that it came from the lab. Can you tell us more about the specifics there? So the Wuhan virus has now killed hundreds of thousands of Americans and millions of people around the world. The Chinese Communist Party is responsible for having covered up 
what happened there. We still haven't had technicians go into this place. It's called the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Uh, why won't they let anybody in? Well, there's a mounting set of evidence that suggests that the virus was being worked on inside of that laboratory and then almost certainly through an accidental leak left that virology laboratory. Uh, while we can't say this for certain, we know that there were doctors there that came down with symptoms that were consistent with the Wuhan virus. We know that they wouldn't permit doctors that were working there to speak about this. We know they were doing back coronavirus research inside of this laboratory and that they were doing something, they, they were manipulating this virus, something called gain-of-function research inside of that laboratory. And again, we, we don't know the answer for sure, but as we turn pages and we learn more, it increasingly looks like this was a leak that came from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And you can see the economic destruction is done around the world and the and enormous costs uh, and lives all across the world as well. The Chinese Communist Party unambiguously covered this up. They knew there was human, tra human transmission, yet they denied it. They co-opted the World Health Organization to tell their same story. These were at critical moments, at critical juncture in the virus's transmission around the world. And then I'll, I'll finally say this. It matters an awful lot, not only for this virus, but for the next one. If this lab isn't safe, if this lab is not being operated in a way that ensures that you have integrity and security at the laboratory, we'll see something like this again. That is unacceptable. The world should hold the Chinese Communist Party accountable for the cover-up and hold them accountable to make sure that their laboratories are operating in a way that keeps the world safe. I want to get to holding them accountable in a moment, but you are strongly suggesting it came from the lab. Are you 90% certain based on the intel that you have? 95%? What, what percent certainty do you have? So I would say this. I've seen enormous evidence that suggests that the most likely initial point of transmission was the Wuhan Institute of Virology. You talked about holding China accountable. You know the State Department met with the Chinese delegation in Alaska in March. They did not mention the word COVID once. That seems completely irresponsible to me. How can they sit down with a Chinese delegation? I just want to know your kind of takeaway from that, that they don't even mention the word COVID yeah. to the Chinese delegation. It, it's unexplainable. When we met with the Chinese each and every time, I think at every level of government, we were clear in our expectation, not only that we would figure out where patient zero came from, that they would allow research uh, researchers to determine this. We, it's not political. This is about science. Uh, we, we wanted to make sure we understood that. And then we were very clear, too, that there are a set of rules. There are international health regulations that the WHO puts out, that we wanted them to comply with those rules. They chose not to. It's why we, in the end, left the WHO. It made no sense. It had become a political body, not a science-based body. Uh, I'm very concerned about what continues to happen inside of China today. Their biosafety levels are not where we would expect them to be for a country with the capabilities that they have. The world must ensure that we don't ever suffer from something like this again, from a Chinese laboratory or from any place else inside of China. What can we do to hold them accountable? And when, when are we going to have a full throttle investigation? Well, the investigation part's tough. The Chinese control access to their country. If they choose not to permit us to investigate, we'll never get folks in there. It's also the case that they have destroyed significant pieces of evidence, including, it appears, the original virus itself. Uh, this, is, this is very telling that the Chinese Communist Party decided to close down. This is, this is how authoritarian regimes respond. We, we saw it with what happened uh, with the Russians with the nuclear accident they had there. We've now seen this what happens when the Chinese have something that emanates from their country as well. As for accountability, there are many tools. 
There are many places where we can impose real costs on the Chinese Communist Party until they allow us to figure out how it is the case that this virus escaped from their country and we weren't able to respond in a way that was timely and sufficient to keep people all across the world alive. You talk about a possible lab leak. There's right now a national bio and agro defense lab level four being put up in Manhattan, Kansas. Yes, I'm very familiar with it. I, I know you are, <laughs> sir. There's a lot of people that you know have some concerns about that. It's right in the heart of cattle country. Just your assessment on putting this level lab in the middle of cattle country. I watched that program go from idea to conception to where we sit today. I have great confidence that the work that will be done there will be done in a responsible way and that the United States, we've, we've, we've done this work for an awfully long time. We haven't had these same kinds of incidents. We haven't created viruses that traveled across the world. I'm confident that while you know, accidents are always possible in everything that we do, this risk is well worth taking, that we can handle these viruses. The work that will be done, they'll be done in a way that is safe and secure and doesn't substantially increase either the risk to agriculture in my home state of Kansas or to the world from the work that we'll be doing there. Last question, sir. Kind of two in one. We're a very action-oriented show. So based on what you know from being former CIA director and former Secretary of State, what keeps you up at night? And what can someone like myself or the average American be doing on a daily basis to save this nation? Every American has a responsibility in every place they go, whether it's their PTA meeting or their city council meeting or they're just gathering with their friends, a group of dads coming together for a Saturday gathering or, or some moms that are gathered at the playground with their kids. We have to talk about the things that matter to the United States of America and why our republic has been so strong and resilient. You see what's happening in our schools today? They're moving away from teaching the things that we know mattered to our founders, the things upon which uh, this Judeo-Christian nation was built. And if we'll all redouble our efforts, if we'll all be clear, if we'll all be unafraid of the woke cancel culture, then I have enormous confidence. This is, this is an amazing nation. We have withstood challenges that are enormous for a couple of hundred plus years now. I'm convinced that we can withstand this challenge, but it only happens when people in the small places, in our schools, in our churches, in, in our PTA meetings, when, when people are fearless and talking about the things and their value set, I'm very confident the United States will still be a great republic 100 or 200 years from now as well. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Thank you for Thank your service. You.